0: Would you pray with me? May the words of our mouth, but may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. This parable is often um, has often been a parable that has been used to. Um, frighten people into doing the right thing um, and has been used against Jewish people throughout the years as well in order that um, to say that Christianity is better than them that see this is what you Jews did when you had control of the garden the vineyard and then the Christians came along and we actually believed in Jesus the cornerstone and this, um, this is why God is our God, and you have turned away from God, so therefore we can do horrible things to you. And I just want to point out that this is, this is one of those stories that interpreted in a particular way outside of God's love can certainly do that. But as Christians, we interpret the scripture through God's love. And we try to hear what God's up to in these scriptures for us today. So I want to step back in our own American history a little bit to about 150 years ago, a little more than, and during the American Civil War. Because oftentimes when we are in war, or we're in a struggle of some sort, we always want to make sure that God is on our side. Because if we can outline a way of life and look towards a way of life where God is on our side, then we can have legitimacy over the people we are fighting against, because our God is on our side and the real God is on our side. But during the American Civil War, both sides thought that God was on their side. Both sides took scripture and made arguments about how The Bible showed that God was against slavery or the Bible showed that God was pro-slavery. And in fact, this parable I just read, the landowner's servants that he sends, it's the Greek word can mean servant or slave. So it's present there in the text, that word slave. But we've, we always do a wonderful job of trying to figure out a way to interpret scripture so that we are on God's side or so that God is on our side. And if both sides in the American Civil War, both the North and the South, the Union and the Rebellion, made an argument that God was on their side, one wonders where was God in that conflict? See, today we also find ourselves living in a fractured society. Our country seems to be broken right about down the middle. And I'm not sure where the middle is. And I'm not sure Jim Hightower, a Texas populist, used to say the only thing in the middle of the road is dead armadillos. And around here, I think it's dead raccoons are in the middle of the road. But those of us who confess faith in God, we often find God is on our side, even if we don't agree with one another about what God's up to and what God would be doing, right? Like we even look into the battles of the United Methodist Church lately around homosexuality, this thing that's been going on longer than I've been alive. Both sides are convinced that God is on their side. And it's really easy to villainize the other side, and it's really hard to not villainize the other side, to just, as I've said before, other the other side, to say, you all are wrong because blah. And I wonder in such situations of such fractured living of between different groups, if perhaps God is on neither side that's trying to win out in power struggles. I wonder if the lesson of Scripture that we heard at the end of this reading Toward the end of this reading. That the wicked destroy those wicked farmers and rent the vineyards to other tenant farmers who will give him the fruit when it's ready. I wonder if God is on the side of those who are left out. Of those who are diminished due to the battles of those who we sometimes maybe are fighting over. Perhaps God is on their side. Perhaps God is on the side of those who don't have enough to live on. And I wonder... If God is with those who are outside of the vineyard, who will give God the fruit when it's ready. When we are so very certain that God has put us where we are, and we don't share what God has given us, we're not living the life God has called us to. Our epistle reading today, a reading from Paul in Philippians, the the third chapter, verses 4b and ongoing. Paul talks about all the wonderful things that set him up, that set him apart, that made him, in his previous understanding of what it was to be a child of God, the perfect Hebrew. So imagine yourself, you know, like, I went to Sunday school, I have a perfect attendance pin from Sunday school, I was confirmed I went to church every single Sunday I've never not been to church when I've been traveling, I've gone to church on Sunday no matter where I've been at I've done this, that, and the other thing over the years this makes me a good Christian but that's Not what it is to be a child of God. When we rely on who we've been our entire lives, of who we think God has made us to be, when we we rely on the certainty of the power and the things that we have, we're going to find ourselves removed from the vineyard. Paul um, uses a word in the Philippians reading that I can't say from here today because it's a cuss word. It's translated in my Bible as sewer trash, but it's garbage and it may be um, manure. Human manure would be a good translation of it. All of that stuff that Paul has built up, that he's done, that all of that stuff that we claim that gives us power, all of that stuff, Paul says, is sewer trash. See, life with a living God, life when God sets us up in the vineyard is a life where we are asked to see the world as God does. And as we wind down in Matthew 20, the 21st chapter of Matthew is fairly late in the book. But as we wind down, we're we're maybe reminded of the beginning in the Sermon on the Mount when Matthew gives the Beatitudes, or Jesus teaches the Beatitudes and talks at various points about what it is to live in this life, what it is to be a child of God. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is how God sees the world. All of creation is loved by God. And when we see that every little bit of creation from this pulpit to that lectern to that organ to this whole church building, to each and every one of you sitting in this room right now or listening on the radio or listening later, all of this is a creation of the living God. All of this is a creation that is beloved by God. And when we love something as God loves something, we treat it with love and respect. When we look out at the world and everything we see is a beloved creation of God, we can treat all of the world with respect and honor. And we can live life in the kingdom. We can live life in in God's reign where God's will will be done, where we have enough bread to live on every day where our sin is forgiven and we've forgiven the sins of others forever and ever amen